This is the Black and Blue Report presented by ABC Insurance Agencies, a better choice for insurance. Now from Studio B or wherever the Saints or Pelicans might be, here's Sean Kelly. Saints and Pelicans both winners, LSU and Tulane. Happy Monday, everybody. And a NOLA Grand Slam is complete as we begin a new week. I love it. Welcome in, everybody, to the Black and Blue Report, the podcast for Saints and Pelicans fans. If the weather wasn't fantastic enough to get this week started, boy, our two teams here on Airline Drive, the Osher Sports Performance Center, uh, sent us off on the right foot, that's for sure. I'm Sean Kelly. We'll talk about the Saints' win over the Buffalo Bills yesterday. 47-10 to was the final score. The Pelicans got their home stand off on the right foot. They've won four of their last five. They're in action tonight as well. Well, the Saints yesterday, two 100-plus-yard rushers for the first time since 06. Uh, you may remember the names of Bush and uh, McAllister. <laughs> yesterday, it was Ingram and Kamara, and the uh, Saints – Rush for nearly 300 yards, six rushing touchdowns, and just an absolute demolishing of the Buffalo Bills to win their seventh straight. It is, as you probably heard by now, the first seven-game win streak since 2011. The Saints actually won eight straight to end that season. They'll look to make it eight in a row when they host the Redskins here on Sunday at the Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Uh, Washington will come in with a losing record. Uh, the Saints, although, will try and keep it going. We're going to talk with John DeShazer from NewOrleansSaints.com this morning about yesterday's ball game, where things stand now, nine games in for the 7-2 and two Saints. John was in Buffalo with the football team yesterday. He's back today and will give us his firsthand account. Uh, I, I can't wait to hear what he has to say about what that stadium felt like. New Era Field, by the way, is the name of it. Uh, you know, yesterday's first Buffalo home loss of the year on top of everything else. And the Pelicans, despite what, 23 turnovers, which was a season high, uh, won on Saturday night and and just did enough, I think, to win the basketball game. And certainly Cousins and Davis are are leading the way, and that seems to be the, the formula. The numbers right now are pretty scary when they're on the floor together. There's no doubt. I think they're plus seven points per 100 possessions right now when those two are on the floor together, which is a very healthy number. They just have to find a way to keep a number somewhat close to that when when one of them is getting their rest or one of them can't play on a particular night. But right now when those two play together, it's pretty fantastic. If they can get this turnover thing cleaned up, I think it's the last piece of the puzzle before I think we see um, win streaks of substantial length. Let's put it that way. I think that everything that Alvin Gentry has laid out so far, whether it be offensive rebounding or number of free throw attempts or uh, number of buckets at the rim off of, said number of passes in a possession or for a game all those things that coach gentry has challenged them to do they've they seemingly have taken care of except for this pesky turnover situation which does need correcting rather quickly um, and it might just need to be as quick as tonight is i know it's 2 and 11 atlanta just don't be fooled by that record we're going to talk more about that matchup here coming up in just a moment that would put the pelicans in a position to have a winning homestand how about that um uh, you know, with a game on Wednesday still to come against Toronto, whom you just saw last week. But today we'll we'll look at tonight's matchup and we'll get a real taste of what these Atlanta Hawks are all about as Mike Conti is our second guest. Mike is the studio host, not only for the Hawks, but for the Atlanta Falcons as well. So we'll get a lot of information from him, not only about tonight's basketball game, but about a team that the Saints will have to deal with here uh, as we head toward December and two very big division meetings 
Falcons won yesterday, by the way. Looked pretty good doing it. So all that to, to be done today on our Black and Blue Report. So, look, the NOLA Grand Slam will take it. Third straight weekend that the Pelicans and the Saints have won their weekend games. We'll take that, too. And we'll throw the weather in as well. Good Monday to you. We'll continue with John DeShazer in just a moment. Uber takes you couch to courtside at the tap of a button. Heading to a Pelicans game, Uber helps you pass on the parking and focus on the fun. And if you're still an Uber rookie, you can get $20 off your first ride with code PELICANS18. Uber, a proud partner of your New Orleans Pelicans. New Orleans Pelicans have the perfect way for you to do it big with your buds by scoring the Guys Night Out six-pack. Packages are available for select home games throughout the season and include two tickets and four beers, all for as low as $50. So do it big with the next Guys Night Out six-pack on Wednesday, November 29th against the Minnesota Timberwolves. Visit pelicans.com to plan your next Guys Night Out today. Welcome back to the Black and Blue Report. Here's Sean Kelly and John DeShazer. John DeShazer slides into Studio B as we welcome you back to the Black and Blue Report. The great Monday, as we mentioned, the NOLA Grand Slam over the weekend as Tulane, LSU, the Saints, and the Pelicans all were winners. Love it. And uh, none more dominant than the black and gold, though, J.D., as you... Get back here from Buffalo. Amazing. I got to say this, though. The Saints and the Pels have kind of made a habit of this thing winning on the same weekend. So that's always a good thing. Uh, Saint, yeah, it, I was pleasantly surprised, but I did not ex- – I don't think anybody expected that for them to go and basically – and I don't know how you say this about a pro team, but it almost looked like the Bills were ready to – if they didn't mentally say uncle. I mean, they – I don't know if they gave up the ghost or not, but, I mean, the Saints really pushed them around. And, and it's it's rare to see that in professional sports, uh, especially on another team's home field. Yeah. Most everybody in this room currently and those listening to our podcast uh, saw this game on television or listened to it on the radio. You got to see it in person. So give me an idea of what it was like in a stadium where they had not lost that traditionally has a great crowd that fuels them to witness that thing yesterday in person, what was that feeling? Well, you know, I I haven't seen anything like it on the road before. I I can't remember seeing a professional team do that to another professional team on on their on their field or in their gym or whatever you want to call it, man. I mean, I it's rare that you see something like that. And I mean, the funny thing is, I think the Saints sensed it from the beginning. There was on the first drive the Saints had, they're trailing three nothing. Early in the game, they're at Buffalo's 30. It's a fourth and one. They're well within Will Lutz's range to tie the game. And Sean Payton lines them up. They are about to run out of time. He called the timeout because they go for it on fourth and one at Buffalo's 30 instead of kicking. And I think that was a message to his team. We believe we can enforce our will on this team. And, again, it's, you know, Football's made up of tough, tough dudes, man. And to see a team get pushed around the way Buffalo did yesterday, I mean, the Saints' offensive line was was 
was brutal yesterday in in a good way in in the best possible way to just push him around i mean again you i I can't remember the last time I've seen that in in a professional game in a professional setting Redskins with John Riggins as the running back the hogs up front maybe yeah, but even then they weren't pasting you know a, they weren't laying a forty seven ten on you no i mean, no, I, mean and, well, I mean but yeah i mean like yeah this, yeah but. that's the last time you can that's probably the last time I saw an offensive line do what the Saints did yesterday. I mean that looked like that looked like Barry Switzer's Oklahoma wishbone or something. In, I mean, indeed it did. I mean, it yeah, was it, did. it was it was crazy. I mean, they could have given the ball to to anybody and, and probably wouldn't got a five yard run out of them. Yeah. I mean, it, it just didn't matter. And by the time they got to the end, and then you know Trey Edmonds, you know, runs in, you know, runs his forty one yard touchdown. I mean, but that was, I mean, it was it was feast for everybody. I think Zach Lyon got a little bit of them. Um, if Mark. Ingram and and Alvin Kamara had stayed in the whole game. They might have ended up with, you know, 150 apiece. I don't know. I mean, it just got to be a situation where it just – it was a snowball going downhill and Buffalo couldn't do a thing about it, and the Saints just continued to flex and get whatever they wanted. I mean, they – you know, we've had – we've seen maybe – I think this is the third game this year. I know it's at least two where the Saints have run it more than they've thrown it. Now, that – is a testament to a shift in philosophy game-wise where you might go in thinking one thing and then they say, you know what? No, I think we can I think we can win it just fine this way. Um, to, to run it 48 times for <laughs> 200, uh, 298 yards and to dominate time of possession the way the Saints did. I, it was hard to remember a time when the Bills had the ball. And then when they had it, they were three and out. And I mean, it, it was it was something to behold. It yeah. was really something to behold. I think there was one stretch, twenty-two straight rushing plays in the second half. Yeah, no no need to throw it. No. I mean, just no need. When when they when they tried to throw a touchdown, and Drew Brees drops back, you know, from the you know first third and goal, I think at the seven, and they were, okay, we'll have to throw it in. Well, he did everything he could to throw it, and finally, you know, it just opened up, and and Teron Armstead just obliterated a linebacker just destroyed him and drew was like well if i got this much room i guess i'll just run it in yeah i agree if Jerron armstead goes on to have a hall of fame type career way premature to say this but if it does happen they'll just play that, that oh, yeah. play on a loop that's that's <laughs> that's the play and people say you know oh man why are they you know why do they wait on Teron armstead and why didn't he practice during the week and why is it he's only can be ready on sundays and why do they you know, maintain them the way they do. You look at that play, that's why. Yeah. That's why when you got a lineman who can move that way and do what he does, that's why you wait for that guy to be ready. We could rattle off a ton of gaudy numbers here, and I probably already did in the first segment a little bit. And yesterday was pretty amazing. But it is seven in a row now. It is seven and two. And when you look at the entire body of work now, John, what would you say – to those who aren't quite ready to say that the Saints are for real at this point? I would say um, wake up because <laughs> what the Saints are doing are things that are tangible, that can, that can be carried. I think uh, somebody asked Coach Payton on Friday before, they, before we went to Buffalo, you know, defense and running game. You know, can't you know, do you believe that they travel? And he's like, yeah, I, those are things that travel. You know, passing game. It might be a monsoon. The wind might be blowing hard. You know, some things can happen to kind of make you make adjustments on there. But you can defend and you can run the ball 
in any circumstance. And the Saints right now look like they can defend and they can run the ball anywhere they go. And those are things that are tangible. I mean, you know, you can you can knock the opposition if you want to. You can say, oh, this team didn't have that quarterback and this team's been missing that receiver and blah, blah, blah. All I know is this. The only team you can beat is the one that lines up against you. And the Saints have not just beaten them. They've they've taken some folks behind the woodshed and, and really put it on them. And, I mean, this is – it's as good a stretch as I've seen this team at, well, since the 2011 season, obviously, when they finished out that regular season with eight straight wins. You make a good point. This is a league where the margin of victory is commonly one, two, yeah. three, four yeah. points. It's a, it's a possession. Yes. <laughs> They're beating teams by an average of, I think, 16 over yeah. this winning streak. Yeah. I, yeah, it's amazing. Um, this week will be interesting in that all of us, I think, are excited and rightfully so, about this football team. But, boy, don't you think the theme coming from down the hall is going to be cool it and don't don't even breathe a word about a road game at the Rams. We've got the Redskins here first. You know how this is going to go this week, right? There will probably be some mouse traps in some lockers. You know, don't eat the cheese. There might be some, you know, Kenny, Kenny Vaccaro, safety, had, had a gas mask in his locker. I think maybe all the DBs, but I know he had one saying, you know, don't gas us up. Uh, so, yeah, there will be some forewarning uh, for this team because these guys, one, most of them are young. And some of them, the ones who are younger veterans who have been here for two, three years, haven't had near this level of NFL success. So how they handle it will be critical. Now, you know, Drew Breeses and, and, and those guys kind of understand. But even a veteran like even a veteran like Craig Robertson, Craig Robertson came from, came from Cleveland. Craig Robinson isn't accustomed to winning. You know, now, I don't think it will go to his head, but you get some of these younger guys who hadn't been in this situation in the NFL, and you don't want them to necessarily start sniffing themselves a little bit and getting ahead of it and start saying, oh, well, in two weeks we'll do so-and-so. So, well, the Redskins are going to come in, and Kirk Cousins doesn't care who you are. He's going to throw it around pretty well, and he's going to complete some passes. And, you know, if you don't get to him, he can make you look pretty bad. Can I just point out one thing? I'm glad you brought that up. Yes. Because I thought about this on the way in today. This young team that is improving. I think that's a key thing here. Yes. Not only are they beating teams, but they're getting better as they go. Yes. No, they do not have a ton of championship experience or successful experience in the NFL. But remember a couple of years ago, the conversation was always about how the Saints would find these guys from the middle of nowhere and small school USA and all that. Let's not forget that some of these key young guys right now played at major college yeah. programs that won a lot. Ohio State, Wisconsin, Max Unger's history, of course, with the Seattle Seahawks. Mm -hmm. There's a few of them in here that I don't want to say it's the same thing, you know, a one-to-one -one comparison, but I think there's something to be said about that attitude and that dealing with the week-to-week -week coming from those teams that play on the edge, those college mm -hmm. teams that – you trip one time, you're out. You know, yeah. one of those deals. Maybe that has something to do with it. I'm just throwing well, that out. I hope there. so. I mean, because one of the one of the themes from drafting the Ohio State guys is always they compete. They they understand competition, and you know you you can see it in, in Michael Thomas and Vaughn Bell and Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, those guys get after it. I mean, they they play to win every down. They don't just say, okay, didn't win that one. You know, let's let's get them next time, Tiger. They play to win every down, and so yeah, I, I hope. But again, these guys 
haven't been under the crucible of NFL winning where, you know, yeah, in college you, you can be somebody's Super Bowl every week, but, you know, it's different being Iowa's Super Bowl than it is being Atlanta's Super Bowl. I know. Just, I'm with you. <laughs> but, I'm just, but, I'm, I'm, just but look, rolling look, that out on the but, but the way they're playing now, the way they're playing now, you know, and you can't put blinders on. I mean, you have to, you know, one, you want to soak it in some. You want to enjoy it because, you know, that's what happens w- with the fruits of your rewards. I mean, you know, you work hard so you can enjoy it. So you hope these guys not only are enjoying it, but that they are saying, okay, what got us to where we are? Okay, let's let's improve on what got us to where we are because, you know, yeah, they look they look like they are ascending as opposed to leveling off or or anything like that. I mean, even had a clean game in special teams yesterday, and that's been a huge problem the previous what two three games, and they clean that up to a pretty good degree to where you don't do anything great, but you don't do anything to hurt yourself. That's true. That's true. Didn't punt, but. Yeah, that helps. <laughs> that helps. It, it always helps when you don't punt. I'll have you back in the broadcast booth at Pelicans basketball tonight. Let's see if we can't uh, watch the uh, fellows across the uh, parking lot who wear tank tops and shorts uh, keep it going, too. They well, won four of their last five. It's pretty nice to have two teams getting it going at the same time. Yes, good stuff. Hawks and Pelicans tonight. John will have more later today on NewOrleansSaints.com regarding this football team and their win yesterday. Uh, Coach Baton will have some conference calls today. Uh, with media near and far, and I think we'll also hear from some players as well. The only other thing I want to hear about today is I really do want to hear an update on Daniel Lasko. I'm hoping for the best here. He traveled home with the team last night. Okay, wow, um, that's great news. Okay. Yeah, um, I have heard of a sighting of him today with a neck brace on, so he's probably got to go some undergo some more, tra- more tests, but obviously uh, is walking, uh, was able to come home with the team last night, so all that's good news, and uh and, you know, obviously we're, we're wishing for nothing but the best. I mean, when he was he's laying out on the field, and, I mean, you can't help but, you know, be concerned and, you know, you don't want your mind to flash to the worst. But, obviously, you know, that's, that, that's part of it. You start thinking about, you know, what's the worst that can happen here, um, concussion or spinal injury or what. And, you know, from what we hear, obviously he was, he was talking to his teammates before he left. I think he uh, had some movement before he left. Then he gets to the hospital and they say he has movement in all his extremities. And they tested him, and he was able to come home with the team last night. So all those are great things. Yes, absolutely. On a much more minor injury front, we'll keep an eye on A.J. Klein this week, too. I think he's a big part of the success. Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Good stuff. Thanks, J.D. No problem. All right. Turning our attention, as we mentioned, basketball. We've got, um, obviously, a guest here coming up to talk about tonight's matchup with the Hawks. But we've got to keep an eye on these Falcons now, too, who also played pretty well yesterday. Mike Conti will get us up to speed on all things Hawks and Falcons in just a moment. In 1907, Dixie Beer was a balanced, refreshing lager, brewed with love and top quality ingredients. It would grow to become something that connected us, the neighborhood beer of every New Orleans neighborhood. And now, Dixie is back to that 1907 recipe, original and reinvented, just like its hometown. Visit DixieBeer.com to learn more. And always drink Dixie responsibly. Dixie Brewing Company, New Orleans, Louisiana. What is big? Big is Drew Holiday. Red hot from the perimeter and ice at the foul line. Big is DeMarcus Cousins, a 6'11 defensive flamethrower that vaporizes man-on-man coverage. Big is Anthony Davis, a laser-guided missile of athleticism aimed at the rim. 
Come see the Pels battle Russell Westbrook, Carmelo Anthony, and Paul George of the Oklahoma City Thunder. Monday, November 20th. Visit pelicans.com for tickets. New Orleans Pelicans. Do it big. It's Pelicans game day. This is the Black and Blue Report. Mike Conti is kind enough to join us here on the Black and Blue Report podcast. Why not? We've got to talk about, of course, Pelicans and Hawks tonight, but always got to keep an eye on the Atlanta Falcons as well. We'll do that in just a moment. First, though, tonight at the Smoothie King Center, New Orleans and Atlanta meet for the first time on the basketball floor. First of two meetings this season. Atlanta's 2-11. and I'm not buying it, Mike Conti. First of all, great to have you. I appreciate it, but I'm certainly not buying anything you're going to sell me on on 2-11 and Atlanta. Well, good to be with you, Sean. Yeah, I think two and eleven is a little deceptive because seven of those eleven losses, the Hawks have had a fourth quarter lead or tie, so they've been close. Um, it, look, the Hawks are—they don't want us to use the word rebuilding in describing what they're doing, but they are clearly rebuilding. Paul Millsap left the, in the off season to go to Denver, and then the Hawks traded Dwight Howard, and, and they're trying to kind of regroup now around a younger court. Dennis Schroeder's probably the centerpiece of that. Uh, Torian Prince, DeAndre Bembry, who's hurt, and Jay Collins, who's been a very, very good rookie for them. They, they took him ninth overall, and he's been, I think, a little bit better than people expected. That, that's the round, but it's hard. I mean, the, the Hawks have had a lot of road games, just like the Pelicans. The Hawks have had more road games than anyone else in the NBA. Uh, when they've been home, they've had to play teams like Boston and Houston. So the, the schedule has not been kind, but they're close. They're just a very young team that's been a little bit mistake prone. Uh, and uh, they just don't match up talent wise with that, that top third of the league right now. And unfortunately, those are the teams they're playing. Okay. So, Mike, what is the one thing that you would say is most important to this team in, in regards to the fact that they have been competitive? And then conversely, What's the one thing that's happened? You, I think you mentioned mistakes there. What kind of mistakes have kept them from finishing those games? Yeah, well, I mean, mistakes. Let's give you an example with John Collins. You know, here he is, 12, 13 games in his NBA career, taken 19th overall. Uh, he's had a couple double-doubles. I mean, he's done a really nice job, but he's learning. And, and one of the things that he hasn't really mastered yet is when you commit a turnover or miss a foul shot, don't turn around and immediately foul. Uh, that's something he's done a lot. The Hawks have fouled a ton, uh, and they're putting opposing teams on the foul line, especially in the fourth quarter, and uh, they're having trouble in a free throw differential right now. But I think the bigger issue is they just aren't getting out to the three-point line to play defense, which is odd because they got rid of Dwight Howard because he couldn't get out to the three-point line and play defense. The Hawks' three-point defense has been really, really rough so far. Uh, so those are the mistakes that are keeping them out of it. But I, I think what encourages Mike Budenholzer and uh, the new GM here, Travis Schlenk, is that the players are improving game to game. And Kent Bazemore had a really slow start. He's snapped off a couple 20-point 20 game, uh, games in a row now. Dennis Schroeder was 2 of 16 on Saturday in Washington, but he's been very consistent. He takes about 20 shots a game, makes about 10 of them. He's at 20 points per game. That's where they want him to be. Torian Prince has gotten a lot better over the last five or six games. Luke Babbitt, the guy who played in New Orleans, he's had to start the last four because so many Hawks are injured right now. I mean, Luke Babbitt is not a 35-minute-a-game player, but that's what he's had to do, and he's making a contribution from the three-point line. So 
they're finding some diamonds in the rough right now, talent-wise, and I think they're very pleased with that because they have shown signs that these guys are going to go out and compete, and they look like slowly, very slowly, they're starting to get better. Makes sense. Makes sense. Mike Conti with us. You'll find him on, of course, the Atlanta Hawks broadcast, but also the broadcast radio-wise of the Atlanta Falcons, too. Nice win for the Falcons yesterday, Mike. Yeah, I mean, it goes to show you when they can actually go out and play four quarters without making a big mistake, that's what they're capable of doing. I mean, this team has just been miserable in execution uh, this year. And when I say that, it, you know, drop balls that lead to interceptions, pre-snap penalties, turnovers that get called back because you drill the quarterback three seconds after he throws. I mean, that's been all year for the Falcons until – yesterday it was the first time all year even including the game against green bay that sunday night game in week two where they looked very good this was the first four quarter start to finish complete performance the team has had all season they paid a heavy price because they lost Devontae freeman and it sounds like he's going to be out for at least a week with the concussion if not longer but uh it keeps them afloat in the playoff race because now they're seventh in the nfc they play seattle next week if they beat seattle they're into the top six and they're two games behind New Orleans, but they play the Saints twice. So they're still very much alive. Boy, oh boy, isn't it getting tasty here when you're when you're starting to look ahead to those Saints-Falcons matchups down the stretch. Mike, those are going to be two fantastic football games. You know what's crazy? I, mean, I was really looking hard at the Saints last night. I can't believe how good their defense is. And think about this. In the NFC South now, Sean, Three of the top four defenses statistically in the entire NFC are in the NFC South. New Orleans, Carolina, and Atlanta. I mean, who would have thought we would ever say that, that, that suddenly, you know, the power defenses of the NFC, they aren't in the NFC East or NFC North, they're in the NFC South. I, I think we're looking at two really attractive ball games, and they're going to be right at the end of the year, which adds to it as well. If Atlanta can keep winning, and their schedule is not easy, they have to play Seattle, and then Tampa, that might be a walkover, but then they have to go play Minnesota. So you're talking about playing two playoff teams over the next three weeks. But, boy, if Atlanta can get through that, and then you're looking at two games against New Orleans in the final five or six weeks of the season with so much on the line, I mean, it's the way it should be, right, Sean? Yes. I'm tired of all these week one Falcons-Saints games that don't mean anything. Let's play them at the end of the year when it matters, and that's what we're going to get. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think that, you know uh, – Somebody in the division, maybe it was you guys, just played your first division game, I guess, last week or something like that. I think it was. it was. It was. It was, yeah. L- latest start to divisional play in the 52-year history of the Falcons, just last week. Yeah. Hey, I want to go back to the point you made about the defenses right now in the division. I think it's a great point. But actually, it, it kind of makes sense because if you were talking about the best – I guess the, the, the division that had the highest stock of quality quarterbacks – it would be the NFC South, and I guess isn't the byproduct of that. Teams would have to say, uh-oh, we better invest more into our defense because of so many good quarterbacks in our division. And so now – 100%. Yeah, now – 100% right. You're seeing the swing back, you know, so that – I guess it makes sense. And I, and I didn't know that. I think you made a great point there about how some of these defenses in this division are playing out. So this, that's a very good point. You're so right. I mean, look at what Atlanta did. They hired a defensive head coach in Dan Quinn. And over the last three years, Dan Quinn and Thomas Dimitrov, the general manager here, they've been trying to find the personnel that most closely mimics 
the defense that Dan Quinn had in Seattle when they went to two Super Bowls and won one of them. And, and now I think we're seeing the manifestation of it. Falcons are, are seventh in the league in total defense coming into today, which I, I never would have imagined. Uh, even Tampa, you know, they made that investment in bringing Mike Smith in. And personnel-wise, they, they've been very aggressive in trying to, to draft defensive personnel. You have a defensive coach at Carolina and Ron Rivera. There's another team that's been very aggressive in free agency. Yes, they lost Josh Norman, but they've been aggressive in free agency and aggressive in drafting defensive talent. So I, I think you're, you're totally on the money. And to be honest with you, I think you can blame Drew Brees for a lot of this. <laughs> because, uh, you know, for for a nice little stretch there between 2006 and 2012 or 13, Drew Brees was feasting on Carolina, New Orleans, and Tampa. And the other three front offices in the division finally wised up to that and said, hey, look, I mean, we've got to get stronger and, and make a commitment to being better defensively. So I, I think that's an awesome point. I might steal that from you on Sunday, as a matter of fact. That's well, a great point. I'm stealing from you, too. So there we go. This worked out great <laughs> for both of us. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say that when the Saints and Falcons meet uh, here shortly that it's going to be a 10-7 final score. Don't get me wrong. But um, it is it is interesting, and I think it does still make – this division, the one to watch with regard to the NFC. Although the Eagles and Rams will say otherwise, I still think that this is, I think the road has to go through the NFC South at this point based on recent track record and quality of quarterbacks and defenses. So that's just me. Well, and, and, and the fact you have, you have players in the NFC South who have been to the Super Bowl. Uh, and, and Philadelphia doesn't have that right now. Minnesota doesn't have that right now. The Rams, I mean, Philly and the Rams are great stories. But when push comes to shove in January, Sean, you want the guys who have been there before, right? And that's what we have in Carolina, Atlanta, and New Orleans. Barely New Orleans at this point. You'd be shocked at how few are still here or have come from elsewhere with that same experience. But you duly noted, yes, yes. Mike, it's always great to catch up with you, and I love when we can get a little double dip like we did today with Hawks and Pelicans tonight and then wins yesterday for both the Saints and Falcons. I appreciate it. Anytime, Sean. If you could, try to tell Davis and Cousins to combine for less than 60 tonight. That might give the Hawks a chance. Perhaps. But then again, I enjoy <laughs> watching that happen, so I'll probably just keep my mouth shut, which you know I can't do. So, <laughs> Mike Conti with us from the Atlanta Hawks and Atlanta Falcons Radio Network. We will uh, get ready to wrap things up here on this Monday. Again, thanks to John DeShazer for stopping by from NewOrleansSaints.com. And, of course, again, the game's on the radio tonight and on television. Fox Sports New Orleans has tonight's Pelicans-Hawks game starting at 7 with free game coverage at 6.30, same time for the New Orleans Pelicans radio network. Our next podcast is Wednesday. We'll be looking ahead to Saints and Redskins. We'll also be previewing the Pelicans and Raptors to wrap up the homestand. Enjoy this Monday. It's a great mood around the city, obviously, and we uh, thank you for making us a part of your day. Take care, everybody.